The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, guys? This is Cameron Fry, yours truly, with His Girl Friday. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, that you're thriving, not surviving and striving, that you're blessed and not stressed. So it's been a while, and I know that some of you may be wondering where I've been. I think I posted only one pod the last month, and there's reason behind that. You know, we're only a week out from October. It's crazy how fast the year's flying, and I know for Liz and I, we're about to enter into a more intentional season of rest between now and the holidays and partly that's due to work and just having a lot of days off built up you know a lot of leave that I need to tap into it's been a, a different year with a different pace and it's been pedal to the metal as I've been getting acclimated to a completely new lifestyle at least during the day so the pods have been kind of more on the back burner the past six to eight weeks I've still been producing content but I'll be honest just some months I'm just not as much like in the mood <laughs> I don't want to say it like that uh, I feel more I guess dry like I don't have as much and so in a way that's good there's a silver lining to it for instance when I'm in the word not having an agenda or an assignment or the hope of an assignment that's a good thing a lot of times when I'm in the word just being real with you I kind of hope that there's a purpose behind it and it's you know it's less out of relationship with God and wanting to be closer to him and more just what can I get out of it like is there something fresh like a new take a new angle we live in a time where we want that hot takes we want that that new lead that new bead that no one else has and so and even if it's over scripture talk about absolute truth ultimate reality we really get possessive of our perception and how we, you know, we think it should look in terms of application. We're going to do a soap Bible study tonight in James 1, 19 through 21. Application is part of the experience. But just know that this stems not from the, the urge to create content, but just, just reading the Bible and something stuck out. And I drilled down on it and just felt like the spirit within me was wanting to have this conversation with you guys. You know, we're, if you're listening to this, chances are you're a vocational influencer, you're a marketplace minister, a business leader. You might identify with a different phrase, but we're all in a similar boat together. We're juggling multiple responsibilities. We're wearing different hats. And the quest is not to make ends meet, although that's certainly an overflow of, you know, what we do. But we how to be like Jesus on the clock in the heat of a moment, especially in this unique season of chaos and turbulence, you know, a lot of political unrest, social justice issues, of course, the pandemic. It's been a crazy year for a lot of us. So I think the scripture is coming alive and just letting our light, you know, positioning our light to shine brighter in this darkness and decay. What a great opportunity we have just to come together and to lend our ears. And so uh, I am kind of proving a little bit. Um, Lord, just bless tonight. I know I don't have a whole lot of time, and I know that a lot of this is on the fly, and a lot of this is raw, but Lord, just be the mouthpiece, be the content, be the words that come out of my mouth. Minister to our hearts tonight. 
minister to mind, just take us where you want us to go, Lord. You know, my outline is secondary to the tangents that you have for us. So lead us in the way everlasting in the next 5, 10, 15 minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, James 1, 19 through 21. We'll start in the English Standard Version. We'll bounce around between the message and the amplified tonight. So we'll start with, again, English Standard. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. The message version. Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making the salvation garden of your life. And we're going to pull from the Amplified. I won't read it, but just know it's really good to reference that in any scriptures you read. All right, on to the observations and applications. Before we analyze this passage, we must first note the context of James 1 at large. This is an important practice when doing any soap Bible study. We don't just want to examine the immediate verses, but broaden out, go to the prior chapter if we have to. In this case, we're in James 1. We only have to go back to verse 1. We note the overall context. We find that Peter is discussing two things. Number one, how believers should persevere during trials. And two, how to receive wisdom from God. Up until this point, Peter converges these two points in intro fashion. But once we get to verse 19, he provides this powerful series, paraphrasing it. Lead by listening. Be slow to speak to ensure discernment. And be slower to anger so peace may abound. Now, in case you're hearing this, reading along, and you're like, this sounds familiar, you're right on. This is not the first time this is brought up in Scripture. This is something that's been referenced multiple times, mainly in the wisdom literature, like Psalms and Proverbs. I believe five or six times in the Proverbs, <clears throat> this specific theme comes up, specifically in the last 10, 12 Proverbs. And then Paul also talks about Ephesians 4, and we'll get to that in just a second. So he lists a series, and essentially Peter pulls inspiration from those Proverbs. I'm not sure if he had access, if he was writing this with the Proverbs in mind, but it's interesting to note that there's a correlation whether indirect or direct, with the Proverbs here, and it converts into this endurance tutorial. Are you weary and weak? Be still and know he is God. Again, I'm paraphrasing. Are you experiencing pain? Let God bridge your hurt and emotion. Do you find your faith tested? Again, be still, listen, and know God is for you, not against you. As for our listening, Peter isn't saying we automatically replace speaking with hearing, Rather, he's channeling a similar vibe from Ephesians 4, verse 29 and 30. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Oftentimes, we read this passage through the lens of St. Francis of Assisi. Some of us know this. Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. One of the most popular, well-known lines. However, it's important we don't take this phrase, this statement, as gospel truth. I mean, the man meant well, don't get me wrong, but his words aren't scripture. We don't determine what's necessary through free will, but through what is good and true as God defines. That's why having an ultimate authority with an ultimate voice for ultimate truth is so imperative for understanding. 
and why engagement in God's word is critical for not only our growth, but the life that results, the life-giving that we're meant to share with other people. Now let's tie this into our vocations, our occupational settings. There are many times at work or in-house when we must communicate. We can't escape it, especially in certain professions. We can't always afford to be silent or plow behind the comfort of a screen. I've been in environments in the past where people could just clock in and just tune out behind a screen, behind a spreadsheet, and did they do great work? Yes, but there was no community. There was no sense of unity, and consequentially, the culture suffered. There was no attempt at morale, and I'm not hitting on anything. I'm just saying I've noted some themes. I've worked for many companies going back to when I was a teenager, and I've seen the good, I've seen the bad, I've seen the ugly. So hear me when I say these things. As such, it's important we as kingdom influencers speak life when we speak up or out. There's a difference between speaking up for speaking out. I'm not going to get into that today. What matters is however we communicate, we are meant to speak life. We speak life based on that ultimate truth and that ultimate truth based on what is good and true and pure as God defines. So you kind of, we're hitting at the next Bible passage we're going to go, but I'm not going to reference it yet. It's not about what we have to say, but rather what needs to be said. It's a huge difference. If our aim is to make God's love known through truth, we must remember timely stillness, not perpetual quietude, is the road to reality. Ecclesiastes 3 is found here. I didn't reference it in the post, but there's a time to speak and there's a time not to speak. There's a time to listen, and oftentimes that time, uh, the time to listen comes before the time to speak. I'm not going to say if there's a blanket like you always have to listen before you speak, but oftentimes we need to quiet our hearts, we need to still our minds, when to let God go before us. That's one way that wisdom looks and manifests. Before I continue, let me be clear. I'm not saying San Francis of Assisi was wrong. I'm not saying those who advocate the phrase are wrong. I'm just cautioning us to consider what if necessary means as we reference God in the heat of the moment, when we're on the clock, when we're engaged at work, when we're making a living, making ends meet, etc. Obviously, don't be silent when you're supposed to speak up and call it wisdom. That's not what I'm saying. And I think that those who abuse that St. That Saint Francis of Assisi line, those who abuse it, they think along that way. Don't do it like that. Instead, know the purpose of your perseverance in silence or in speech comes down to aligning to God's love and faith and his will in prayer. It's really important that those two, those two go hand in hand together. That we're not just loving in vague, arbitrary fashion, but that there's specifics involved. There's intentionality involved. His will aligned in prayer, that implies that we are <clears throat> dedicating ourselves to marinating in his truth. We're dedicating ourselves to meditating in his word. What we need, what's required for goodness and godliness, we're tapping into that sovereignty and our belief, our trust in God, our hope in him that he will be there and that he has a purpose in all things, not just the grand scheme unfolding, but also in the minutia and this very detailed specifics that we find ourselves in from client to client, from task to task. Remember, the how bows to the wow or rather the how bows to the who, not the other way around. I guess there could be a line in there for that. <laughs> but I'll say it again. The how bows to the who, not the other way around. As great as our execution can be when we're given the green light, 
God's light is all the greater. And by that I mean when God gives us the green light to speak. We may speak eloquently. We may be persuasive. We may convey the right ideas with the right words. And that feels great. I know you guys listen to this. You've been in those situations before. But execution is the overflow of having rightly aligned to God in the first place. That's why God's lies all the greater. If we're looking to convey God as we communicate, certain things are going to take care of themselves. We stress so often about, oh, I got to be perfect. I got to just nail it like this, or I got to be able to convince. And we put all this unnecessary pressure on ourselves. God knows what you need. He knows what you want. He knows the best way to tap into his depth. And as we, I'm encouraging you at work, don't be afraid to tap into that depth. Don't feel like you're going to be compromising your work by focusing on Jesus. They can happen in, in tandem. All right, moving on. I know we don't have a whole lot of time, and a lot of this is good stuff, and I wish I could part to it. Maybe I will. But for now, I'm going to treat this as if it's a standalone, all-in-all, separate post. I love how the English Standard and the message translates verse 21. I love how they dance together. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That's the English standard. Uh, the message, and again, in simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Like the implied soil, the imagery here is rich. As God, as Lord of all creation, God by proxy is the master gardener of our hearts, given his word is designed to root and yield fruit. Yet while we know the way we live should reflect what we believe in the nitty-gritty grind of work, it's not always easy. Crazy clients, some of us, we work in environments where our supervisors are detached and they're not as involved as they should be. Secondary matter, you know, gossip, whining, complaining. There's a lot of different ways a culture can be robbed of its potential or, it could, uh, or a culture can sap the lifeblood of the people. <laughs> the, the challenge of our character's consistency never stops. That's the whole point of what I'm trying to say. Hurdles, they're meant to be a part of the game. As long as man exists, there's going to be sin and with sin, weakness and weakness opportunities to overcome and again, to rely and trust on God. That's kind of how you have to flip the challenges in your working environment. They may be caused by weakness fueled by weakness. But it doesn't mean you have to strive to beat them or solve them. Let them push you to Jesus closer to his heart. And just, even if you have a hard time embracing that intimacy with the Lord, why not allow some of these hardships that we go through on a daily basis, a weekly basis, and just take, treat it as a springboard. It's like, God, I'm launching into you. I don't even know if I'm ready for this, but all I know is that I'm coming to you and I want to be as close to you as possible. Even though I feel like I'm not there on my own strength, it's not about my own strength at the end of the day. Now, thankfully, Peter gives us a straightforward example. I love Peter. He's so blunt straightforward with his words. He doesn't leave a whole lot of gray area for interpretation. He gives us an example of how we can create space for faith to mature. As we turn from pride and abandon fear, especially being consistent in that in the moment, we can receive God's word with meekness, knowing it's already been implanted. 
Here's where it gets fun. Think to yourself, why would Peter use an earthly metaphor to drive home his point? Or better put, how can we receive something from God that's already buried? To answer this, let's review the scripture that I was kind of alluding to earlier, Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. There's that word implant again. This leads me to a key point. Just as God is faithful to plan his word, we likewise must be faithful to implant it. For many who believe Jesus is Lord and Savior can accept the idea God sows truth by his spirit. The question is, when push comes to shove, in our darkest days, in the chaos of enterprise, are we focusing on what is perfect, pure, and honorable? Or are we setting before us the way of surviving and striving? Think of it this way. If God entrusts us with his trust, then we can implant what he plants. What he sows, he renews, and what he renews, we can reap in confidence. My encouragement to you, whoever's listening out there, my encouragement is don't separate your daily work from your daily walk. This ties into the whole reason why his Girl Friday exists. There should never be a divide between the sacred and secular. I'm not saying work is secular, but I'm saying you can't compartmentalize work from walk. I mean, compartmentalization in so many ways gets us in trouble. But it's the silent, blind kind of trouble that we don't really realize. We settle into false content. We have the blinders on. We don't see it all the time. But if, in case you don't know if, you're, if your daily walk and your daily work coinciding, permit me to give you some guidance on how the two can coexist. Number one, let gratitude pave the way for humility and let humility mark the efforts of your heart and mind. This passage really thrives off meekness and humility. It ties into the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. God is big on this virtue. Even though humility is not a fruit of the Spirit, it's one of those glue or adhesive agents that ties them all together so that people will know that our love for one another is from God and it's proof that we love God. But if you find it hard to love your neighbor, humility is a way to get us there. Another way we could stir humility, you know, exercise humility internally is care for each other with sincerity. Knowing what you do is secondary to who and how God has made you. Knowing your love by God identity is at the core of everything we talk about on here. And sometimes we get so busy with work we forget that. We could be naturally fatigued by a hard day's work, hard week's worth, etc. But sometimes we have that additional fatigue of, why am I doing this? Why am I here? What's the point of all this? Am I just, you know, a rodent in a rat maze sort of thing? And we forget who we are. In those moments, reference God. Know your approach to Him is that you're more than a conqueror. As you resist fear and anxiety, as you cast your cares on Him, you're doing a big and mighty thing, an act of faith, whether you realize it or not. 
You're giving him room to landscape your heart with inspired truth and in perspective straight from his word. Let the Holy Spirit, the divine comforter and encourager, you know, stir you to closer to his heart through his word. You're doing something right. It's not by your own strength because you're relying on his. Don't just think about things that are good, but let God cultivate that good into a harvest and then share the overflow of the abundance with those around you. Let your work be a testimony of God's word continually renewed in you. When you commit to this, I promise you, friend, not only will you fertile your heart, but you'll discover the seeds you're meant to sow back as a co-gardener unto the Lord. So now let's pray this in. Lord, in times like these, what can we do but thank you? To stand in awe of your goodness and faithfulness despite our frailties and fragilities. As we digest this word, we're reminded of your master plan as created by master hands. If anything that is made new, we know it comes from you. As such, help us to treasure your word as daily bread, as branches clinging to the vine. Plant new words, ideas, and visions into our hearts today. Teach us how to be faithful stewards of the rich seed you give us. May they take root for your glory as we humbly and fearlessly pursue your heart and tell your story. Landscape our now so that we may calibrate to your wow. We ask this in your precious, mighty name. Amen. All right, guys, that concludes today's pod, today's word on the way, and also our soap Bible study. I'll have another one hopefully next month uh, before Thanksgiving. Till then, hope your October is better than your September. And hopefully your September was better than your August. That you know you find that despite this year being as crazy as it is, um, that it, it is going somewhere. That you do see the the big mighty plan of you know God's hand at work in your life, um, bringing you closer to His heart, His peace, His understanding. His, more importantly, His love for you, and that you see how valued and treasured you are uh, in the kingdom because you have a purpose breathed by a master creator who loves and has a plan for your life. He never stops pursuing you, rooting for you. Don't feel like you're ever too lost for him or that you've done too much um, that he can't understand and bring you back into his loving arms. Pursue his embrace as you work and dare to see your work as an opportunity to testify his love, to live out the great commission we deal with people, not only in our offices, but all over the world. Some of us, we have influence we don't even realize. You know, it's just one person, you know, in our state that might have a radical impact to the nations. We might have that direct report of the nations, but, you know, even if you feel like you don't have much to offer, you do. And that's just the beauty of God at work in your life. So we'll keep on keeping on forward and onward. We'll catch you on the fries. We always say, have a good day. Peace.